My next guest is beating the drum to tell the world that the internet remembers everything. He is the founder of postshame.org, which is an online tool designed to help people deal with online shaming. I am super excited to talk more about this movement. So please welcome Adam McLean. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so happy that you're joining me today. Thank you. Absolutely. It's so funny that you you ask people what do they believe and it's like so many people spend their whole life being like I wish someone would ask me and then you're about to ask me and I'm like uh I don't know if I'm ready to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well get ready. <laughs> what do you believe Adam? Well it's so funny like at some moments, if you're given like more than a split second at a cocktail party to like answer this question, you want to like make your answer really meaty, right? Yeah. So I went like so big and I was like, well, I don't know. I don't really have the cosmos figured out. Like, I don't really know. Like, I, I, I've, I've done like all this talk about things that people are shamed for. And one of the big things is grief. So I'm like, oh, you know, what happens after grieving? What happens in the next life? How are we all connected? So I went like real macro with it. But then I remembered that RuPaul has a, I mean, RuPaul has a bunch of amazing RuPaul-isms, but one of the things he says is, don't take life too seriously. However, you know what I do take seriously? Joy. You know what I do take seriously? Love. And I was like, oh, I so believe in joy and connection between people. Like, that's just why I'm on this planet, is just to, like, help, you know, be a person who's creating joy and little joy explosions. And that's why I I'm, try to be a serious person, but I also get into drag all the time because I'm like, this is just too fun. Like I look so great as a gorgeous woman with a beard and a mustache. You do. Anyway, so I think my answer truly is that I believe in joy and connection. And as you go down that road further, you end up realizing that we all have value and that um, equality and fairness are my guiding principles. So that probably just plainly informs what I believe. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. But it is so true. I mean, you really can kind of get lost in, 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 in that question. And I, and I love that because it's, it's so nice to hear everyone's answers, but I have to say connectivity is, something that comes up quite often and especially right now during COVID, don't you think that it's even more so? Yeah, I think the thing that it's shown us is that humans being with each other, turns out that was the basis of like every single business. <laughs> and if your business, if your business isn't about connecting people, it was like, it's going to be the first one to go, right? So when we come back from this um, bizarre time of, of, of halting and um, sitting still. Um, I think as we come back, everyone will still be like, well, no, we still want to connect. We just have to figure out how to do that safely, uh, how to do that um, thoughtfully. I, I predict, um, if you're interested in predictions, I just think that everything will simply be how do we connect? And it's just going to be digital first strategies. And then the being together in person will be the like added benefit there were all these um, trend forecasters saying, you know, millennials only spend their money on experiences and they all want to go to Coachella and they all want to go to concert festivals. And that's just, you know, that's just what millennials do. And I'm like, um, okay, well, maybe that was like true for a minute, but I think now it will be about 
how do we connect, have meaningful connections, um, and then the in-person elements will be kind of secondary and we'll figure out the safe, um, thoughtful way to do that together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. So it, your your organization, well, your 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 movement and your tool, postshame.org, um, I think is is incredibly, it's so important. Um, and it's just growing and growing in terms of its importance. Can you talk a bit about you know, your, what inspired you to support shame and mm -hmm. bringing this movement to life? Mm -hmm. um, well, postshame.org and hashtag postshame are online tools that were designed to help people find something in their past that they worry would leak onto the internet and they leak it on their own with context. And in doing so, they share a story of strength and leadership and resiliency. And at that moment that they're dissolving the shame for themselves by releasing it, they are automatically going to help someone else who's going through that same thing and being public about it and saying you're not alone. Um, at its core, you know, every single coming out story is a post-shame moment. You know, maybe you were re uh, raised in a religious household and you've come out as, um, you know, gay or queer. And um, even though your family might be like, oh, it's really against like all of our quote unquote moral teachings, but you still came out anyway and said like, okay, I hear you. Um, and I'm still going to be out and proud. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me. I had a friend once. Um, I won't say their name or their religion, but um, I said, you know, how do you square our friendship, you know, with what you believe? And they said, oh, well, you're going to hell. I mean, but like, I still love you. And I was like, oh, wow. okay. Um, <laughs> how can you reconcile those things? And they were so sweet about it. Like they were like, in a way, they were being as naive and plain as possible to just say, like, well, I still have to go to my worship service every week and, like, be there, but I still love you, and I'm going to hang out with you and, like, be with you. And I was like, okay, if you can still, like, make it to brunch, we're cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I hope that 10 years from now you, like, pull back the veil on that and maybe realize that we're all in this together and I... I'm not going to hell unless hell is if hell's the best party in the world. I'm going to be first in line, but I, I really don't think that's how it works. But okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let me go back to answer your actual question, which is like why pursue this and and create this online tool and and beat the drum to kind of keep defeating shame. Um, I saw a real dearth of leadership uh, in politics. Uh, I'm of uh, an age range where we kept seeing presidential candidates where the popular vote um, wasn't electing our president. And it was very odd um, <laughs> mm -hmm. as a high school and college kid and being like, wait, so this doesn't work. So maybe we need to get some better candidates. So I considered yeah, running yeah. for office. And friends said, Adam, you've had way too much fun. And camera phones have recorded way too much of that fun for you to run for office. The only party that would take you wouldn't be the Democrats or Republicans. It, it would have to be some kind of post-shame party that, that would forgive everything you've done. And I said, well, hold on. I, I haven't stolen. I haven't like hurt anyone. Um, why are all the photos and videos of me being goofy? Does that injure my leadership potential? Because uh, I promise you, all of our former leaders before camera phones were also getting into a bunch of shenanigans. Yeah. <laughs> How did that, you know, just distract from my from my leadership uh, capacity? So I launched it as a political tool to start, and I started with my nudes, 
And I, um, my first uh, article that kind of went quote unquote viral was what to do when you find naked photos of yourself on the internet. And I had, um, there's lots of naked photos of me on the internet. Some were consensual, some were non-consensual. So I went to great lengths to have as much scrubbed from the internet as possible. I went a few more years and then I was like, this is so dumb. These are going to get hacked. These are going to get found. They are a realistic depiction of my past. Um, how do I reckon these things? So I realized once I put them on the internet myself, gave them context, told my story, and said, this is who I am, I immediately started getting people telling me, thank you, I've had a similar experience. Or thank you, I hadn't reckoned um, the way that I, a lot of people re uh, reached out to me saying that they were models and nude models in their college days. And, and they're like, well, now I can't run for president. That was always the, the refrain was, I, now I can't run for president. And I'm like, um, well, as the generation moves on and it turns out more and more of us have sent nudes using our cell phones, um, how do we destigmatize those? And I want to clarify one point that my goal is not that everyone put their nudes on the internet. That would be a very bizarre <laughs> trolling <laughs> goal if that was like what I was in the, the world for. What I'm trying to shine a light on is the double standard with which men and women are shamed differently when their nudes are leaked. I'm trying to expose the fact that more people are doing it than we realize. I'm trying to expose the idea that sometimes we accidentally victim blame and say, oh, well, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have let that video camera into that bedroom. Uh, and it's like, hold on, um, shouldn't we be more focused on the person that leaked those uh, revenge porn images? And shouldn't we be uh, prosecuting that person, not the person who's had um, their online life so violated? Yes. So that's why I am, as you described, beating the drum uh, for this mission. And it just sparks so many interesting conversations with the way technology has changed the way we communicate. So I'm having a great time continuously yeah. talking about how I have these nudes on the internet and they are like completely forgotten by the end of the conversation because people are like, I got a story. I got something to say. I yeah. got something yeah, else. Yeah, for sure. So thank you for being one of those people. No, I mean, I'm, I support you always. But, you know, the thing about shame is, and your your organization and post shame, but isn't it also shame about losing your job in a public forum? Or, I mean, could it also be shame in other ways and in, in just in life? I mean, it, is it... Is, are you focusing just because the shame kind of crosses over so many different areas? I mean, is it, you know, I'm just curious if that comes up. Do people ask you about, I mean, shame in general. I mean, for instance, like I know that you, you have Monica Lewinsky on your site and you have various other people that you've referenced. And, you know, I'm just curious in terms of like, what does it encompass? Is it, is it nudes and then other things or is it? It started as a political project and the beginnings of it as a political project was uh, thinking that it's usually uh, drugs, sex or money that yeah. unwind political candidates. So mm -hmm. if we focus on those areas and encourage candidates to take a look in their past and do that opposition research on themselves first, that they will uncover these things that they can come out about and uh, lead with radical transparency. Um, Someone like Monica Lewinsky is just someone I reference in general because I think she's brilliant and she has brought so much attention to the concept of being an upstander that when you see someone else going through what I call like an online shitstorm or getting a, a flurry of online hate, deserved or not, but if they're a friend of yours, you just reach out to the person and say, how are you? 
Are you okay? Yeah. You don't editorialize. Uh, you don't. You don't blame them. You just, if you're lucky enough to be friends with this person and they're going through a hard time online, you just reach out and say, "Are you okay? Do yes. you need to talk to someone?" Um, and I've done that tons of times, and every single time, it doesn't matter where I fall on how I think about that person or what they're going through, they've always said thanks for just at least just making me feel a little less alone because internet bullying can, even if deserved, is like really scary. Anyway, um, so so put that to the side. Your original question about like shame touches all these areas and you know what happens when it like causes people to lose jobs or, or get displaced from maybe something they're running from, I'm simply saying, you should be looking at your online presence, your digital presence on your own. And we should be creating digital literacy uh, competency for children so that they know that when they make a YouTube uh, channel in their teens, that the internet remembers everything. And it's okay to express your closely held personal views. They might come catch up with you later. Um, 16 and 17 year olds who are, you know, becoming uh, up and coming football stars, and then they get drafted in the NFL. All you have to do is search the N word in their Twitter feed once, and then find out, um, no, that's not okay. So right. that person needs to do that soul searching on their own, screen grab their tweets, and release them and give them context. I'm saying I want people to take hard looks at the way that the internet is capturing all their thoughts and, and traffic and to be thoughtful. If they've had an evolving view, please share that with the world. We don't allow evolving views. Uh, the internet um, collapses time. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm bright enough to like write the essay on this, but like when you see something on the internet, it always feels like it's happening right then. So yeah. that's why when um, a naked photo is released, a sex tape is released. You think you're in the room with that person right in that moment and that, that sex tape was made this morning. And you're yeah. like, no, this is old. This is hacked. This has nothing to do with you. This was personal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the things with like old tweets, like if people have an evolving view on something, I actually want to hear more stories about people evolving their view. I want to hear more stories about someone who heard their child come out of the closet and didn't accept them and then did. And if you are trying to keep skeletons in the closet, say you're high ranking business official and you wanna keep um, some past drug use or money troubles or adultery in the past, um, pretend that the internet remembers everything because it does mm. and do your own investigation and be prepared to share those stories so that you can be a better leader and you can tell people I've been there too. And every time I share this mission with people, they are like, I wish the SVP at my bank would have done that. I wish that my local congressman would have done that. I wish that, you know, it, the list goes on and on. Well, that's my, that's actually a part of my question because I'm curious in terms of, you know, where does it begin? You know, um, you have, you know, I mean, do you educate institutions, companies, where does it start? I think it has to start on a personal level. I launched the project as a political mechanism and I talked to so many people in politics. Of course, it's off the record and I'm not here to leak anything for anyone, but I've talked to a bunch of people in politics and they tell me these stories about what they don't want leaked. And I go, okay, but it's going to. Mm. Let's pretend that it's going to yeah. and be prepared. And I promise once you set yourself free, you'll gain a new level of freedom. But all the folks in politics have said, show me proof of other people doing it and having it work. And I haven't been able to get there. 
So instead, I've just switched it to a tool for everyone. And, um, you know, similar to like maybe someone like Brene Brown, who, who goes and does a TED talk on vulnerability and then gets a Netflix show and now has a podcast and is, you know, she is doing such an amazing job of, you know, sharing her mission far and wide. And it does make its way into like institutional changes, but it's very slow. You have to start at an individual level and believe it and then see how it grows. So I'm living a post-shame life, uh, which is, by the way, is like a lot of rinse and repeat. Like it's not a destination. It's just a self-examination mechanism that's ongoing. You can't see in the podcast. I'm, I'm making this motion with my hands as though it's like, wait, <laughs> just like keep recycling and going back <laughs> again. And uh, Well, the video will be, you'll, people will be able to see the video. Uh, so we will... <laughs> So how much of this is about the narrative, Adam? I, that is such a cool question because um, some folks in like media comms say, oh, you're just getting ahead of your story. Oh, you're just using this as a mechanism to reframe everything. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's like a very ruthless way to look at it, sure. Like, technically speaking, you are framing your narrative in a way that um, makes sense to you. But uh, I'd rather that than to just let the media write it for me. Um, Jennifer Lawrence uh, had her iCloud leaked and a bunch of her nudes leaked. And she said, um, I hate that now you can be at an outdoor barbecue, you can be talking to someone, my name can come up, you can Google me and you can just find my nudes. Now I'm naked at your barbecue. I did not consent to that. That's an act of sexual violence. Yeah. Now I'm like, whoa, let me wrap my head around that. Yeah. And she spent so much time saying, um, this isn't okay that this happened to me. Then years later, she decided to do a nude scene. She decided to do a sex scene. And she said, I actually wanna reclaim my body. I actually wanna do a project where I am nude and finally I'm in charge. And I'm like, you write your narrative, girl. You yeah, do yeah. that. And anyone who says like, oh, see, like y'all y'all end up naked any, anyway. And as now she got paid for it. So now she's into it. And I think, whoa, whoa, whoa. She gets to do whatever she wants with her body. Exactly. And um, that's her narrative and she gets to have it. And I believe her. So it's all that matters. That's all that matters. And she's in control. She was in control of that. Exactly. And, and also, it's still criminal that she had to go through that uh, process against her will. Yes. She might have never wanted to do a nude scene or a sex scene. And she felt like, well, now I'm forced to because I, I have to get ahead of this story. I have to figure out how to reframe this. Um, someone like Bella Thorne, a young actress, she released her nudes on her own because hackers were threatening her and said, you know, pay up or else we're going to release the nudes. And she said, well, forget that. I'm going to release them on my own. And now I own that, like, yes, I am naked under these clothes, um, which is also something I find myself saying all the time, which is surprise, surprise. Yes, we're yes. all naked under these clothes. <laughs> um, and someone like Whoopi Goldberg, just to quickly tangent on that, she was on The View and she immediately said, this is, you know, the thing. She shouldn't have taken those photos in the first place. And I was like, excuse me? Whoopi said that. Appalled at the hackers. Yes. Be appalled at the revenge porn seekers. Be appalled at everyone yeah. other than the victim. Right. 
But people are so mean and snap to judgment, especially when it comes to women's naked bodies. And if you want to go off on that tangent, that's a whole other podcast we can talk about forever. <laughs> well, that's definitely part part two of that. Yeah, part part two, sure. exactly. What do you believe about women's bodies? That they're perfect. <laughs> Done. Exactly. I love that. Um, it sounds to me for, that it's a big part of this, and for sure, and I, I believe I believe this is forgiving oneself. You know, oh, right? You 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 had mentioned this before in other conversations. Yes, forgiving yourself is always the first step. Yeah, always the first step. And I'm curious because you know, you and I were meditators. We meditate together. We've meditated together numerous times. Um, how do we begin that process? And and really, what is how much does spirituality come into play? And and does it play a part, if at all? Well, I, I can, I guess I can only speak to my personal journey here, but I do have a lot of data for other people. Um, if your spirituality is a guiding factor for how you organize your thoughts and um, figure out a way where you fit in the world, you know, I'm a moral person, or uh, <laughs> you know, I've sinned. <laughs> you know, walking through, you know, if you need. Um, to confess or something. Um, I don't believe in the confession model. However, it's very funny that I've gone to the entire internet to quote unquote, confess my sins. I'm really confessing <laughs> and also saying these weren't sins in the first place. Yeah. So a little nuance there, but um, to answer your question specifically about uh, the process of forgiving yourself, that's why I want to launch this into the world to give more visibility to people of the fact that we've all been there, that so many other people share your experience. And every time you're in a dark, dark place of shame, if, you know, I kind of do this when I meditate. When I meditate, sometimes I, if I'm having trouble getting into my groove of meditation, I sit there and I think, okay, this planet, um, what are we up to? Six and a half billion people, maybe yeah. seven, almost seven billion. Okay, a lot of people on the planet, right? <laughs> I think to myself, there's no way I'm the only person on this planet meditating right now. It's like mathematically impossible. So right now I'm not the only one meditating. Someone else is meditating. And I just think I'm meditating with them. Lo and behold, the moment I have that, that, that insight, I'm, I'm zoomed away in meditation transcended somewhere else. Right? So if you feel like, God, I can never tell anyone about this thing that's happened or this thing I've done. I, I, I ask you to just imagine maybe someone else has. And if you combined reckoning with leadership and took a stand and were willing to be a part of this conversation about whatever the subject is, I promise you'll dissolve your shame and that of someone else. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. Thank you. Wow, Adam. I love this conversation and I don't want it to end, but I want, I want, I want one more question. Okay. Give me three pieces of advice for your younger self. I didn't think about this one long and hard because I didn't want to, I didn't want to like listicle to like 14 year old Adam or something. Mm. Um, and I don't want to give, um, not to say that this wouldn't be genuine from a lot of people, but like this, this response of like, what makes you different will be your power later because it's impossible. It's impossible for your 14 year old and 15 year old self to wrap your head around that. 
or at least in my experience as a little queer kid growing up in Buffalo and just being like, huh? <laughs> like this, you, you wouldn't have been able to tell me. So like, I wouldn't have believed it. So I think the pieces of advice I would tell myself would be, don't indulge in terminal uniqueness. Like mm. there just are others out there like you. Yeah. Yes. And so maybe there's, uh, let's, let's imagine there's some kid in a restrictive household and it could be restrictive for many reasons, abuse, religion, um, gender, uh, all sorts of different things could make you feel isolated, right? Hopefully they stumble across this podcast. And it's like, I promise you, your tribe is out there. Yeah. And if you need to break free, that's fine. So my advice to my former self, I, sorry, I just have to like truncate them into like one, which is just like, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. Oh. And if you can find your tribe, just take care of your tribe. But I think I, I t a little bit took that advice the older and older and older I got. But I don't know if I knew when I was younger that my tribe would be out there in the way I found it now. And I include you in my tribe, right? And now yeah. I include all these listeners and viewers in our tribe. And I include anyone who's searching and up to something as part of that tribe. So now we're like, oh my gosh, we're this close to being a critical mass and we can shift this whole planet. Like, just wake up, folks. Just wake up a little bit more. There's more of us. We're all in this together. Exactly. We are. We are. Well, I am definitely in it with you. And I'm so honored and so pleased and grateful for you coming on the show. So thank you for all of your wisdom and all that you're doing with postshame.org and oh. everything else. It's really, you're just a, an amazing human. And you are joy. You you personify <laughs> you personify. Excuse me, I can't speak. Personify joy and and connection and good vibes. And that's that's what emanates through the podcast and through this video and seeing you in person. And it's it's great. So thank you so much. I really really adore you. Thank you. Thank you.